everybody. All you Sox fans. I know only two of them in the building that just saw them walk off and beat uh, the Minnesota Twins this afternoon. Congratulations. Happy, happy, joy, joy to the uh, Chicago White Sox fan base, all uh, two of you uh, out there listening. And welcome back to the show. Uh, he is Adrian Broadus, back from vacation. I'm Steve Kaplow. It's good to have you with us here. 600 ESPN El Paso. Our telephone number is 915-505-6009. That's 505-6009. You can also tweet the show. 600 ESPN El Paso on Twitter. We're with you for two hours. Then the Chihuahuas uh, take over the airwaves uh, for us. Uh, Adrian, how was vacation? How was it getting out of here for a few days? Yeah, it was great, Steve. It's great to be back. I was out in DFW getting a chance to visit with my family out there, cousins, uncles, aunts, uh, new nieces, nephews, new younger cousins who are now uh, born and, and meeting them for the first time. So a lot of kids in the family. Uh, this is the Barasa side of the family, so not the broadest side. But, uh, yeah, it, it was awesome, man. I was so happy to go out there with my mom and with my uncle and all, all my cousins. And uh, it was a great, great time. The Barasa side. That's right. That's my mom's maiden name. Very nice. So that's that's kind of cool. I mean, how big is the family? Um, you know, it's not the biggest family, but that's what makes it really cool. It's it, we've got uh, three. I've got three uncles on my mom's side, so she's got three brothers, and uh, yeah, got a chance to visit with all of them over the weekend and their kids, their their wives, their aunts, their uncles, and stuff like that. It was great. It was just a lot of fun. Uh, everybody out there for the Fourth of July weekend and uh, having a good time. Need to get away, right? That's the most important thing. Need to get out of here for a couple of days, refresh, recharge the batteries, and then come back ready to go. Yeah, I feel I feel great. I'm. I'm just happy that I got that opportunity to head out. I heard the show from yesterday. I really enjoyed it. So uh, thanks to Jason Craig. Thanks to Angel Munoz for filling in for me. And thanks to you. I thought the the shows were awesome. They'll be up on the podcast channel very soon as well. Appreciate that. Angel and Jason did a terrific job. We missed you. We're happy to have you back. We'll get a movie review today. We'll pack it all in. We'll talk a little, uh, little UTEP soccer in the first hour since they've got a lot of changes. Signed a ton of players, some El Pasoans and, uh, also an assistant coach that uh, is, a, is a really good story. Exactly, Steve. Uh, Kate Ward, she's up for an ESPY. She has an incredible story, and uh, we'll get a chance to talk with her. One of UTEP's assistant coach on Catherine Balligan's staff. So both co- uh, head coach Catherine Balligan and Kate Ward will join our, our uh, show. Ah, very nice. So they'll, uh, again, that's part of the first hour. Then we'll get uh, Jeff Erickson on in the second hour of the program. And uh, who knows what else? There's just so much uh, going on right now. Um, by the way, I-, I got a story that I'm almost finished with at uh, 600ESPNLPaso.com. I had no idea, no idea how much traction that Midland Rockhounds cap was going to get on social media when I put that out earlier uh, yesterday after a pinky came by and, and dropped that off at the station. Yeah, I'm not surprised, Steve. I think it looks just like what UTEP should be doing. I, that's that's where my stance was last week. I'll say it again this week. And now the fact that you got one of these jerseys, you could sport them, Steve. You could sport it at UTEP games. So and it's I like weird. it. I don't know if you know the story behind this. So um, you know, um, I wear like a seven and three eighths, right? And Picky wears a seven and an eighth. So his brother Leo got him the seven and an eighth cap, but it was too big. See, the weirdest thing about new era caps, they don't they all fit differently. Like, you could get a 7 eighths cap, and it fits true to form, and then another 7 eighths is way big. So I tried it on, and, 
And I was like, wow, it kind of fits. A little tight, but it's doable. And, and uh, you know, Jaime's like, hey, I can't. I, I'm not going to wear it. It's too big on me. So I said, thank you very much. A really nice gift. Very nice. So I thanked uh, Jaime. I thanked Leo. Tweeted that out. Next thing you know, it's getting all sorts of reaction around town. Most people really like it. Everybody wants to know where you can get it. And it's like all of a sudden, the Midland Rockhounds team shop is going to be possibly sending a lot of these caps back out to El Paso. Yeah, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw these hats being worn, whether it's in the Don Haskins Center and Memorial Gym to watch some volleyball, or if it's at the at the Sun Bowl to watch some football games. And I would not be surprised whatsoever because I feel like this is an interesting way that you could support the miners without supporting the miners. If that makes any sense, it's oh, it just does. a cool it's a cool M with, with pit, formed using pickaxes, and I think it, they did a really really good job about about uh, that cap. I'm with you on that one. I'm really with you. Uh, by the way, uh, that's another thing. Uh, the story on the uh, on the hat is simple. I, I titled it, Did Midland Rockhounds Steal UTEP's Thunder with New Cap? And uh, you kind of feel like that, don't you? I mean, look, I liked the 915 campaign when UTEP released that and had us all there, but they didn't have any merch available other than some shirts. They didn't have the hats, the full line. That's still being created. So meanwhile, you know, while UTEP was getting their new campaign and kind of waiting for things to happen, MC Horrible tweeted out this Midland Rockhounds cap a couple of weeks ago. We saw it. We're like, wow, that really looks very UTEP-like. And then next thing you know, uh, Pinky gets it from his brother Leo, doesn't fit. Uh, hits me up at the station you want it I'm like of course I want I'll, I'll check that out and it's a great looking cap I would not be surprised if down the line, I'm not talking this year, next year, or, or soon, but down the line if UTEP adopts a version of something I agree. like this. Because there's a lot of ways you can make the pickaxe more sharp. You can have a, a you could change up the font for the M, and you can make this a really fresh and clean look. I, I really believe that. So I, I ended the story by saying that I have a feeling that if UTEP does decide to do something similar to the Rockhounds, it could be a while before we see the finished product. Because remember, anytime UTEP does something, it's, it's, it's a problem process you can't just release it every like you can't design something and then the next month it's available it it this could take over a year before we start to see some kind of thing like that because they're not going to want to compete with their own 915 line they're not going to want to do that so i could understand that and the weirdest thing is they're selling these 915 caps at the chihuahua's team shop right now wow i did not know that now that's that's real interesting right there i'll tell you this the newsletters that are going around by utep athletics are really enticing to fans i think because they're allowing fans to purchase the 915 t-shirt and the ticket for the August 27th home game against North Texas for just $20. Uh, I love that promotion. I think it's a really cool one. I like the shirt itself, and I feel like I'd pay 20 bucks for that uh, shirt uh, alone. So mm-hmm. the fact that you're getting a ticket with it, that's that's just an added bonus. I'm with you on that one. I'm with you. Um, all I can tell you is, though, it's uh, it's wild how um, you know this this cap. And I even called the Midland Rockhounds team shop, and I said, like, what do you guys have? They only have two versions of it. They've got the authentic fitted cap, and then they have kind of like the new era. It's called the 920. It's like a relaxed fit adjustable cap. Same logo, same color scheme, same design. So it's either like the relaxed look or... Or the fifty nine fifty authentic look with uh, which is what the team is wearing right now. So how did it? Um, so yeah, I guess I wonder if they'll they'll come up with alternate ones now, knowing that a group of El Pasoans are going to be buying these hats uh, and thinking they're UTEP hats. I told the woman in the shop about it. She couldn't believe it. She goes, "Are you serious?" I go, "Yeah, it's crazy." I go, people in El Paso, this is all they're talking about right now. I got almost two hundred likes on this because everybody sees the cap and they I mean it. I mean, look. 
if you if you've never seen this cap, just imagine an orange cap, okay, an orange cap with two picks that meet together to form an M with the state of Texas in the background. I'm like, it's it's so perfect, and yet it's the raw counts. We're suckers for anything with the Texas logo to begin with. So you put a pickaxe there that looks like the letter M, and it, it reminds people of miners right there with the letter M. Uh, and then on top of that, you have the background of Texas there. I don't just want a hat. I want a shirt to complement something like this. Now, I will say this. If you've ever looked at the Midland Rockhounds logo, okay, it's a dog wearing overalls, a hard hat, holding a pickaxe, in one hand and a baseball in the other. So that's the idea. It's kind of like a dog version of Pater Pete is the best way to put it, a baseball dog version. So you got to realize that they've got the pickaxe in their primary logo, okay? So they've adopted that from the very beginning. So all they've done is they've taken two of these pickaxes and they formed the M is in Midland. I mean, it's that's what it is. Now, we look at it and say, wow, really cool. Miners, because of what it is here. But, you know, Midland's got their own version of this, and they've, they've knocked it out of the park. Let's be honest about one thing. Most minor league baseball logos are awesome. I mean, we've got strips of bacon as a logo. We've got this. We've got, I mean... There's so many cool minor league designs that when teams reinvent themselves and come up with a logo, chances are it's going to be something people are going to want. Yeah, like if UTEP ever needed a dog compliment to Pater Pete, like if he needed a companion, it would be the Rockhound. Like the the way that he's set up in the overalls, the hard hat, yep. getting ready to mine for some coal or mine for some gold, whatever it is, that is the exact thing. It, it fits UTEP's mold. Like it, it really works out uh, in, a, in a really big way. And I, I just really like this logo a lot. I have to get my hands on one of these as well. Oh, I'm with you, man. I'm with you. So... Ah, awesome, awesome. Anyway, that's the uh, that that's the story that we're starting with uh, here on the program right now, and it's interesting. Other than Gabriel Martinez, who tweeted out "pass" on the hat, everybody else has been really into it right now. They've been digging it. But you know what's interesting? Some minor fans will pass it. They know it's not a UTEP cap. They don't want it. They do not want it. It's like some people are just, if we've got to give others money and it's not UTEP, we want nothing to do with it. It could be the coolest looking cap. It looks like something UTEP would have. Hey, if the miners didn't do it, we do not want it. That's the attitude that some people have. Yeah, or they might look at the parent club for the Midland Rockhounds and say, no way, I don't want to do that. They they might even think, you know, those are the same type of people who are like, no, I'm never going to wear anything other than Nikes or I'm, I'm going to wear all Adidas and I, I'm not buying something that's UTEP if it's not Adidas. It was actually a gift for his 69th birthday from his brother. Wow. That's a nice gift right there. I like it. Well, now I've got his gift. I feel even worse now. i got to give it back to Jaime. Don't you think Jaime should at least put it up in his house? Yes, he should. You know, Jaime, I'll be honest with you. It was a nice offer, a nice gesture. I know you didn't want to wear it because it didn't fit you. But you should come back to the station and get it and just put it up in the mantle. Put it up in the in the sport in the man cave. That's the kind of thing. If it was if it was a I did not know it was a 69th birthday gift from his from his little brother. Now I feel like a real turd for taking it. He offered it and I didn't figure I thought nothing of it, but now I I don't I don't want it anymore. I want Jaime to have it back. 
Okay, you can look at it this way. Jaime got a chance to have a photo opportunity with Greg Foster. So True. he parlayed a hat that didn't fit him, and he turned that into a photo that he's going to probably hang up uh, when it's all said and done at his house with uh, UTEP legend Greg Foster when he stopped by the Lumen Go Studios yesterday. That's true. He doesn't even color his hair. He's 69. He's got less gray than I have. He's got, like, long hair. Like, oh, yeah, he I, does. I'm envious of him. It's amazing. It is amazing. So, you know what? I, that's what I need to do, though. I need to, I need to get that. Uh, I need to go and get that thing back. Um, that was it. Oh, look at this. His brother just sent him another seven and an eighths cap today. How about that storyline? Oh, man, that's great. So now you have the secondary present. I do. No, I've got the original. i got the original that didn't fit him. Hopefully this one works better. Hopefully this one fits. The replacement will work. Otherwise, you know what Jaime needs to do? He needs to drive to Midland, try on all the caps until he gets one that fits. Yeah, that, that's a good idea. It might be a solid road trip. I like that. What, a five, six-hour drive? Yeah, not too bad. Ten hours all the way around and you know, make, a, make a day out of it. Hey, man, think, you know what? He's got nothing to do in his life. He's retired. Go drive to Midland. Hang out with your brother. Go get the hat that fits properly, and you're good to go. I like this. I think that, and then and then everybody could place orders through Jaime, and he could bring back 30 hats with him. He should. He could be the hat man. That's exactly right. You know what? The Midland Rockhounds will probably make him a VIP ticket member after this is all said and done. They'll give him a chance to go be on the field for batting practice since they realize, who's this crazy El Paso and that keeps buying up all our hats and sending them back to El Paso? Yeah, no one here will buy them, so at least they will buy them. Exactly right. All right, good start to the show. Hey, when we come back, we'll talk uh, a little uh, UTEP soccer, and this is an interesting storyline. We've got somebody that's on the staff that was nominated for an ESPY. We'll explain right after Charlie One, who's first up with this traffic update. About our two guests that are going to be joining us. Great segment for us. I think so, too. So uh, let's get right to it. And uh, as uh, promised, uh, we've got a couple of uh, special guests uh, joining us on the show. First, uh, from uh, UTEP Soccer, head coach Catherine Bolligan is back with us uh, after the big announcement of signing 14 for the 2022 class, along with assistant coach Kate Ward. Uh, Coaches, welcome aboard. Great to have you, and uh, welcome back, Uh, Catherine. It's always great to see you. How are you today? Doing well. Thanks for having us. Excited to just connect with you again. I'll, as always, really appreciate you and Adrian and inviting us in. I'm happy we've got uh, Coach Ward with you today. We got uh, some staff members via Zoom. That's always going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, she's she's got a great story. So excited to let her share a little bit of her story with you as well as the El Paso crew. I'm looking forward to it as well. So um, when we originally planned this, we were going to talk to you about uh, Coach Ward and tell her story. And then look what ends up happening, Coach. Uh, You end up signing 22 today, and that gets to be the big storyline. So let's talk about that first off. 14. 14 student athletes have signed national letters of intent, including three from right here in El Paso. Yeah, um, well, Stu, who actually just had a baby, so our staff has a lot going on right now, but he's been our recording 
uh, our recruiting coordinator since we got here and did a really, really good job with Kate and everybody just kind of jumping on board. We lost a good number with a good number graduating and deciding to go and take their COVID year elsewhere, which is exciting for them to experience something else. Um, and so we definitely had some big shoes to fill and, and did a, a, a good job of bringing in both older players that have experience at um, some of the Power 5 level um, and then some newer, younger players that can really infuse that life and excitement of not knowing what they don't know. That's exactly right. So based on the 14 you brought in, how many are still left over for 2022, Coach? Ooh, that's a good question. I think we have 14. No, 15. So I think we're at 29 altogether. So, yeah. Okay, so, I mean, you're not losing everybody. You weren't completely gutted. That's the most important thing. And quite frankly, when you get a chance to add, to add half your roster and take veterans plus youngsters combined, it's a nice mix, isn't it? It is. It is a lot of fun. Um, and it's one of those unique things is we have a lot of girls who – have been bought in from day one that are still here. And so it's fun to be able to see them now kind of bring people into what they have been able to experience. So it's fun to see them even grow up a little bit and take the reins on their own program and, and be able to be the leaders of, of their own ship. Uh, Coach, how much has your philosophy changed since you got here at UTEP in recruiting specifically? Um, in terms of our philosophy within recruiting, I think it's more just trying to figure out what works. Um, I think El Paso, to the people who don't know El Paso, is a little bit scary. Um, but for all of those who really buy into, hey, let me at least experience it. Like, everybody that comes, they're like, this is awesome. I don't know why people don't like it here. Um, and it's like, because they've never been here. Um, so I think it's just getting the word out. I think that was the first thing of, we started going some places that maybe the last coaching staff didn't go. We would really like to get back to Canada. Um, we only have two remaining Canadians. Um, and so we would love to get back there. I think the last coaching staff did a really good job of bringing in quality talent from there. Um, and just because of COVID um, restrictions and travel and being everything like that, we had to kind of look in some different places. And so I think more of that came out of this than anything. Well, uh, just looking, uh, you've been, you're, you're getting them from everywhere, coach. I'm just looking through the list right now. You've got Rochester, Michigan, San Diego. You've got Flower Mound, Texas, Conroe, Texas, Tulsa, Oklahoma, Sacramento, California, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, Houston, um, also San Antonio, Lebanon, Illinois, even New Zealand to go along with El Paso. So that tells me you will search the earth and you don't care where you find talent as long as you can bring it in. Uh, agreed. I think that's the most important to us is just that they buy into our philosophies, buy into our playing style, and that they want to be part of um, something unique, kind of going along with the 915, like being proud of being around El Paso is important to us. And being proud of being a soccer player here is really important. So wherever we need to go to find people that want to be here, that want to make UTEP special, 
um, is where we'll go. So specifically, tell me about El Dorado High School's uh, Danielle Tovar, and she is one of the El Paso recruits. And uh, there's two others as well. So let's also talk about Leslie Gutierrez, who you were able to get via Heartland Community College, but she's from here, and Clarissa Gutierrez from uh, Eastlake High School. Yeah, so starting with Danielle, um, we saw her a couple of years ago, maybe a year or two ago now, um, and it's always interesting because El Paso, if I can tell El Paso recruits one thing, it is let us know where you are playing. It is really hard to find schedules. Um, and so shoot us an email. If you want us to come watch you, we will come watch you. Sh- shoot us like retweet us a tech, like uh, a twit, tweeter, a tweet, a Twitter. Oh man, a Twitter, um, whatever you need to do to get us to your games. We want to come watch you. And so we kind of stumbled across a game, one of her first games, um, a high school game a couple of years ago. And we were like, who, who's she? And then she was interested in us. So it really did really a good thing. And when two things come together, two people are interested. Um, it always helps out. But she's just a strong player. Um, we used to have a young lady here named Jackie Miller who did a really good job. She ended up transferring for academic reasons. Um, but she reminds us a lot of Jackie, just a really good, strong young woman who um, has a good presence on, on the ball um, and is able to distribute and use her, her size well. Excellent. As far as the uh, the 14 newcomers, how many do you expect to contribute to the club right away? So I think I got myself in trouble last year. I said all of them you when did. you asked that question. You did. You did. <laughs> um, I'm not going to go with all of them because we have too many um, to even be a starter. Like there, There's more than just even a starting 11. Um, but I do see probably... I would say three to four um, of them right away making big impacts with having some some substantial minutes. Um, and then from there, some of them growing into that position um, and making an, a difference over their career. More with Coach Bolligan plus uh, assistant coach Kate Ward. We're going to get a chance to meet her for the first time. As we hit the bottom of the hour, let's go first, though, to Adrian Broadus and his Sports Center update. All right, Adrian, thank you very much. Continuing our conversation right now with uh, UTEP soccer head coach Catherine Bolligan and uh, assistant coach Kate Ward. Uh, let's finish up on the uh, El Paso kids. Since we just talked earlier about your first of three, you also have a junior in Leslie Gutierrez and uh, freshman uh, Clarissa Gutierrez. Yeah, so Leslie um, came to one of our ID camps. Uh, she's originally from El Paso, had gone away. Um, is actually a national champion at a JUCO. So again, for any of the El Paso um, student athletes that are looking, hey, what do what do I want to do? How do I get to where I want to go? Um, that's another really popular route is you go play for a JUCO. Um, and then after you get your AA, um, you're able to transfer and go to a four-year university. So that's her route to El Paso or back to El Paso and to UTEP. Um, and we saw her in, at the ID camp, and she's super quick. Um, and she she's a little bit tinier, definitely, than Danielle. But 
um, has some good experience, has won a lot of games at the JUCO level. Um, like I said, was a national champion. So we're looking to bring her winning mentality into the, the team and continue to build from what we've done. It's also important to note that El Pasoans have plenty of talent, and if you're good enough to play uh, Division I college soccer, there's a very good chance that you're going to be recruited and offered by the minors. That is 100% true. If you are good enough, we want you to stay here. If you want to be in El Paso, we will love to welcome you into UTEP and you, where you can be um, not only uh, a UTEP minor, but also a mentor to all the other younger women in El Paso um, that have those dreams and aspirations. That brings us now to uh, assistant coach Kate Ward, who we wanted to talk about because uh, uh, she has uh, a, an incredible opportunity that's going to be uh, coming up here away from uh, UTEP. But tell me first about how you were able to to find Kate and, and bring her on your staff here at UTEP. Yeah, so I, long story short, when one of our – like my husband and I's friend was like, I have this perfect girl. You need to hire. Her. I was like, I haven't even interviewed her. Um, he's like, you'll love her. She's awesome. And I was like, okay, um, have her send in her resume and all of like, let's go through the process. Um, and then in the process of interviewing Kate, I was like, wait, I feel like when I was a brand new coach, like you played for a game that I coached in. So it was kind of this weird circle of events, but yeah, so it was through a friend, a friend of a friend, um, and then just kind of worked out really well. She, she's she been a great addition to our program. And, Kate, you've been here now three years in El Paso, so I know you've probably become very comfortable with Coach uh, Balligan and, and the Miners. Uh, how has uh, you know UTEP and El Paso uh, treated you since uh, since you first arrived here? Uh, UTEP and El Paso have been awesome. I love the city. Um, I love the university and um, Kat and her other assistants too have been awesome to me and supportive and all my endeavors um, on and off the field. So I'm super grateful for this experience. Now you're from Atlanta, totally different type of, uh, of climate and everything from El Paso. So I like the fact that you've kind of gone from one extreme to another here. Yeah, um, a lot of humidity to no humidity, and I love the no humidity, so that's been nice. Now, you are a graduate assistant at Virginia Commonwealth uh, prior to coming out here. So, again, I like the storyline about uh, about how Kat uh, was able to communicate with you. Was it a tough sales pitch to get you out here to El Paso, Coach? Not really. I'd heard great things about Kat, and I knew that that was really important to me to work for someone who had similar um, philosophies that I have. And so it wasn't a super tough decision to kind of make the leap. It was interesting that you know I never visited El Paso before deciding to take the offer. So I came here and I was like, oh, wow, this, this is the desert. And there's also mountains here, but um, it's really pretty. So yeah, it was, I mean, it's turned out great for me. That's awesome. We found out about a week ago that uh, you were uh, a finalist for the ESPY Awards, Best Athlete with a Disability for Women's Sports. Tell me a little bit about how this whole thing started really to come around for you. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I played for the U.S. Deaf Women's National Team, and we just got back from uh, the Deaf Olympics in Brazil we won our fourth straight gold medal. So um, the team has been super successful. Um, and when I got back, someone said, hey, I'm going to throw your name in for the SB. 
And I was like, okay, like not really thinking that would ever like happen. And then when the news broke, I guess last week, I felt, you know, honored to be in the final for those nominees. Now, reading your background, uh, Kate, you lost your hearing when you were six years old, which was right around the time you started playing soccer. So, uh, you know, you talk about those two things, but you never stopped playing soccer. You played collegiately. Now you played also with, as you mentioned, uh, the U.S. Uh, team, the deaf team, and won the, the gold medal. Uh, it's, it's an incredible story for you. It really is. Because I, I wonder when you tie in ultimately the sport of soccer, how important was it to kind of keeping you going, especially when you had first lost your hearing as a child? Uh, soccer has been so important to my development as a person um, on and off the field and the benefits of sports and the power of sports to help with inclusion. Um, it's so evident in my own life. And the reason I kept playing was because for me, uh, it's the only place in the world where I can kind of be like everybody else. Like I could be normal. It didn't matter whether I could hear or not. And so um, soccer for me has absolutely changed my life in every way, um, whether it's been on the hearing teams or the deaf teams. Um, it's been incredible. How have you been able now uh, using, you know, the, the advancements in, in science and technology to start uh, getting your hearing back? Um, so I've had a cochlear implant since I was six years old. And so that basically stimulates hearing and it's kind of allowed me to live in the hearing world and have some opportunities that uh, have been great for me and technology has continued to advance with it. So there are a couple of cool things that I can do with it. Like there's Bluetooth now on it, so I can just listen to music straight through that device. So little things like that have been pretty cool to see develop. Absolutely right. Now, uh, you're a big part of this uh, this program, especially as an assistant coach with recruiting. We just talked to Coach Ball again a moment ago about the 14 players coming in. I'm sure you're very familiar with all of them because you probably had a big part in bringing them here. What can you tell us about the, uh, the, the new group of uh, minors that are going to be coming to El Paso for the first time? Yeah, I think we're super excited about it. It's a big group. And like Kat said, you know, I think there will be a couple of them who will be able to contribute early. And I think we're also excited about the fact that they'll continue to contribute to our culture on and off the field. I think that they'll bring some competitiveness that um, we are trying to develop. And, yeah, we're really excited about them. That's awesome. Now, are you going to be attending the ESPYs later this month out there in Los Angeles? Uh, I'm not sure yet. It kind of depends on the ceremony size because of COVID. Uh, I don't know if they're opening up again to all the awards, so we'll find out. So if they do, it'll give you an opportunity to uh, to go and be there in person. That's awesome. Well, yeah, yeah, and I can yeah, just, we'll yeah. see. I could just imagine for your reaction probably when you heard that you were going to be nominated and now you're a finalist. It, it's got to just be a terrific feeling for you. Yeah, it's pretty surreal. I feel like it still hasn't hit yet. There's moments when I kind of sit down and I'm like, oh wow, this is actually really cool. So um, I would just say it's been very surreal, but awesome. Good. Uh, Coach Bolligan, you've got a camp coming up here later this month and an opportunity to bring the youngsters back out of UTEP. Yeah, we had a lot of fun at uh, last month's camp in June. Um, broke, broke some records both in digits of how hot it was as well as the number of campers we had at both of them. So we can't say thank you enough to the El Paso community that came out and supported those and had a good fun time. Um, everyone liked the the sprinklers afterwards, so I'm pretty 
t-shirt that was one of the biggest hits um, just because I think last month I think it was like a hundred and something at 9 a.m. Mm. and so we just made it work we had a lot of stations a lot of water a lot of some games in the shade and that sort of thing but um, a lot of a lot of players that were just saying hey I want to come back so we want them all to come back and whoever else is, is looking for something to do to wrap up the end of their summer. So the skills camp will be back. Will these sprinklers be making a return appearance at the camp? For sure they will. They're like the main event, I feel like. I think people sign up for the sprinklers and come for the soccer. Um, I, I don't know if it's really the other way around, which is fine. We want it to be fun for everybody, and so um, a lot of fun. But the nice part about this one is... Um, if sprinklers aren't your thing and you really are there for soccer, um, we have a, more of a, an elite side of this camp um, for the morning time frame that, that I think will work well for some of those elite campers that, that really just want to develop their soccer skills. All you have to do is go to utepminers.com, go to the fan zone, and you'll see a whole tab for summer camps based on each sport. You can click on soccer and see everything you need to know about uh, what's coming up here in a couple of weeks and signing up. And before you know it, we're like less than two months away from the start of the season. Isn't that uh, surreal? We're, we start August 1st, so it's crazy. And so another thing that we have going on, too, is if – you have a team or an individual, a young student, anything above the age of, I think it's eight years old and not in high school. They want to be a part of this year's season now that we can have everybody back and like all the reduced COVID stuff. We, we're looking for ball kids. We're looking for players to walk out for the national anthem um, and ways just to get the young students here in El Paso involved. Love it. All right. Coach Bolligan, great to talk to you. Coach Ward, really enjoyed uh, getting a chance to meet you, and I'll look forward to seeing uh, both of you ladies uh, on the pitch here uh, before long. We'll be right back. We'll look forward to seeing you. Yes, Steve. Thanks so much for having us, Adrian. Appreciate it as always. Love spending time with you guys. You as well. Catherine Bolligan, Kate Ward, as we continue here on Sports Talk. When we come back, we'll wrap up hour number one. Still to come, Chihuahua's baseball, top of the 6 o'clock hour. That's with Tim Haggerty here on 600 ESPN El Paso. The return of Adrian's movie reviews here as we continue 9 in front of 5. Adrian's Movie Reviews are brought to you by Alamo Drafthouse. And with Adrian back, that means the movie reviews come back. All right, Adrian, it's all yours, my friend. Thank you, Steve. Thanks to Alamo Drafthouse. I'll mention them a little bit later and what they're doing for this month. Uh, I'm bringing to you today Deliverance, 1972, adventure drama. Burt Reynolds maybe uh, catapulted his career, maybe not. Uh, You can watch this one on Netflix. You can watch it on YouTube. Also, Google Play. I watched it on Netflix. It's about uh, just a, a little under two hours. And it's a brutal film. I mean, it really is. Uh, IMDb gave it 7.7 out of 10. Rotten Tomatoes, 89%. 
And you think this is going to be like a fun adventure film early on into this one. It's four city guys, four friends who venture into the Georgia wilderness and they, they want, and I mean wilderness, it's the woods. It's, they just want to go, they, they want to go canoeing and have some fun. It's the boys and they're getting away from their wives and kids for just a week and going into rural Georgia. Uh, but what they don't know is things just go completely, completely wrong on this trip. Uh, Burt Reynolds as Lewis is the highlight for me throughout this film. I, I just thought that he was exceptional. And these four city guys, they start getting into it with locals. As soon, before they even start going into the woods, they get into it with these locals. They have a dueling banjo scene, which I really enjoyed. Uh, it was one of these little kids who had a banjo going up against Drew, who's one of the four guys, and he had his guitar. Uh, the local ended up winning, and as Drew ended up trying to like give him uh, props, the local kind of sh- shrugged him off. So these these locals do not like these four city city guys who are coming into their woods. Local savages and uh, they attack Bobby and Ed as they get separated on their canoe. I don't really want to say what happened to them, but they uh, they turned their trip into one that they wanted to cut short. They were going to have this go on for a week, but as soon as this ha- ended up happening, death started happening. They said, "Nope, let's start. Uh, let's let's turn around. Let's cut this short." Well, they tried to head back, but there's so many issues when it comes to the rapids that they end up facing, not to mention a madman who continues to follow them. And this is just a horrible journey for them to try to to try to get, you know, rescued and saved. Well, they end up finding their way back to a hospital. Uh, Lewis is, you know, he breaks his femur, but he ends up, you know, uh, making it out alive somehow. It's a tough movie, tough one to watch, but it's a, it's an adventure film that just has you kind of at the edge of your seat. It talks about manhood. It talks about everything, uh, you know, with the male kind of ego and stuff like that. Steve, I, I like this movie. It's a tough one to watch. Seven out of ten bananas for me. That's what I figured you'd give it. Does it still hold up the test of time after 50 years? Some scenes, yes. Some scenes, no. Some mm. scenes should never be in a movie. Yeah. Okay. There That's you go. Put it. Uh, Alamo Drafthouse, real quick. They're offering people their season pass right now where you can watch unlimited movies at either their east or west locations, all for just a low cost of $16.99 a month. You can visit alamodrafthouse.com for more information. Awesome stuff. All right, Adrian's movie reviews wrap us up in our first of two today. Tim Haggerty standing by. We'll get to Hags coming up in about. 45 minutes or so from now, plus Jeff Erickson at 520 to talk a little fantasy sports right here on 600 TSPN El Paso. Wednesday, 5 o'clock hour. This is Sports Talk. He's Adrian Broaddus. I'm Steve Kaplow. It's still to come. Jeff Erickson from rotowire.com, your one-stop shop for fantasy sports. Jay Jaffe tomorrow on the program, so look forward to having Jay back with us. Uh, Adrian back from vacation was in Dallas since last uh, Friday and uh, now back in town and uh, getting a a good uh, dose of everything that uh, he had a chance to experience. Plus uh, what he missed. Uh, You missed the USC UCLA story uh, breaking and uh, what that's going to do for the Pac-12. Now, um, I wrote about it yesterday. Give me your take of what you think will happen when the smoke clears uh, from the latest uh, conference uh, reshuffling. Uh, by the way, I really like the article. I recommend anybody to read it, 600ESPNElPaso.com, because I think you give a good, accurate, like realistic um, outlook on what could happen between the Pac-12 and all these different conferences. You include a little bit about the Mountain West, which I appreciate it too. But I, I look at the Pac-12 right now, and I say it's open season. I also look at a league like Conference USA – 
And I think, why not? Why why wouldn't Conference USA get into the mix, too? Why doesn't Conference USA say, all right, we already missed out. We've seen four uh, four people or four teams and, and universities already leave for the Sun Belt. More to come to the AAC. Why doesn't the Conference USA put together the remaining dollars that they have, go to the television rights uh, people, try to strike a deal, and then goes and tries to poach anybody? Like, anybody out of the Power 5 ranks, anybody out of the Mountain West who's worth something, so that you could try to bring back some relevance to Conference USA. I mean, aside from the Big Ten, which we know, they're trying to acquire the best teams out there and universities out there like USC and UCLA in terms of the LA TV market. Maybe the the Mountain West and the Pac-12 do form that Super League and and, and consolidate or do something like that together. The Big 12, they they want four members out of the Pac-12, but we don't know what kind of leverage the Big 12 actually has in this mix why not create more madness if your conference usa and actually bring a bring yourself to the table and try to roll the dice to see what you could do because conference usa seems to be the kind of league that um that is the exact opposite i mean instead of coming to the table they're the league that well they lose schools they go into uh litigation they try to sue schools for dropping early and I don't know. I mean, it's not exactly like Conference USA has sent the message to everybody else that they want to be proactive. Normally, this is a conference that's reactive, and and they're the ones that, uh, unfortunately, you know, nearly uh, collapsed and crumbled uh, a year ago. Commissioner Judy, if you're listening to this, which I know you're not, make me a commissioner for one day. One day, and I, I promise you. We will make an attempt to try to go out. We'll, we'll just leak it out to the reporters. I'll text Brett McMurphy. I'll text Phil Steele. I'll text uh, Pete Chris Thamel Vanini. out there. Chris what? Vanini. I'll say the Con- Conference USA is in serious uh, is in serious thoughts about acquiring Arizona and Arizona State to complete a Southwest mold in, in Conference USA. Uh, either you or Mocha for a day, and I think either one of you will do just fine in terms of uh, trying to make uh, the right moves, wheeling and dealing, getting the media involved. You guys are both in the same lines there. I think that'd be great. I think uh, the the point of all of this right now is it's you know co- college football is has thrown away all the regional rivalries that are out there. College football is trying to be more of a national television product, which we know. I mean, you just look at the TV ratings for sports every year. It's the NFL atop the list, and what's number two? It's college football. It's always consistently the college football playoff or, or big bowl games. How about this? Right now, there's talk that Washington State and Oregon State could eventually be absorbed into the Mountain West. Not surprising right there. For me, I, I feel like that would be a big move for the Mountain West to try to acquire two programs like Washington State and Oregon State to expand where you're you're actually going. Well, the uh, downside down is... for those two. I was going to say, they, they would jump from Power 5 to, to Group of 5. But you want to know something? There's not going to be a Power 5 soon enough. I think the bottom line is there will be a Power 2, the SEC and the Big Ten. Then we could have, after the Power 2, maybe the second tier, which could be the Big 12 and the ACC, and then the third tier, which is whatever's left of the Pac-12, plus a bunch of the group of fives, because that's ultimately what college sports is turning into quickly. Do you feel like that Oregon kind of holds everything um, as to what the future uh, is for the Pac-12? Like Yesterday you hear the leak that the Big 12 wants to acquire teams like Colorado, Utah, Arizona, Arizona State, and then you hear on the Pac-12 side that there are active media rights discussions trying to dispel all those rumors. It just seems like who you know as far as the media goes, if you're one of these conferences right now, everybody's playing dirty, no one's playing by the rules, and uh, no one 
if, if somebody says, let's form an alliance, don't trust them. Don't trust them whatsoever. It's true. I mean, the Pac-12 was talking about trying to align up with the ACC. Uh, they've got their own TV rights deal to deal with. That's the problem with the Pac-12. This is not good timing for them because with everything happening, they're supposed to be getting a new TV deal, and I'm sure all the networks are kind of wanting to monitor the situation because they're not going to throw a ton of cash and then realize they've got nothing left. Yeah, if I'm Fox Sports, if I'm uh, ESPN Sports out there right now, I'm lo- I'm really looking at the Big 12 and thinking, can I buy low right now? Can I buy low on the Big 12 media rights deal after it expires in 2025? Forget the Pac-12 TV deal. That one, you could get you know for 99 cents when it's all said and done. It's not going to be much at all uh, when it comes to that deal. But if I'm, if I'm the major television networks right now, I'm trying to buy low on what could be the Big 12 because maybe they could acquire more of these universities down the line it's possible it's possible but the truth is this we don't know from one day to the next what's going to happen with these conferences and these conference realignments we don't know we really don't i mean look cusa look what they did okay they added liberty jacksonville state nmsu and sam houston that's their that that's that's their four and next year they're going from uh where they're currently at right now which i believe is 11 they're going to be nine they're going to go from 11 to 9. They're going to lose 6, pick up 4. So they 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 they're, they're already going to be down. They're already down 3. They've already lost 3 schools in Southern Miss, uh Old Dominion and um who was the third? Charlotte. No, is it not Charlotte? Uh, Marshall, right? Marshall, that's yeah. it, Marshall to the Sun Belt. So now it's just a matter of what else they get when it's all said and done. And and uh, that's you know James Madison also goes to the Sun Belt. That's the fourth school that joins those uh, that joins those three. So Conference USA has eleven this year, of nine next year. I mean, could CUSA pick up schools? Absolutely. Will they? Don't hold your breath. Because here's the thing, Adrian. You said it best. It'd be great if CUSA was proactive. I think the problem is the conference perception around the rest of college sports is nobody wants to go into it. And if they have any, I mean, look, some schools chose the Sun Belt over Conference USA. That's all you need to know right there about how the rest of the landscape of college sports is is treating this league. So I think it's great, and I admire you for trying to be aggressive and proactive and leaking it. I don't even know if you're even gonna get if, if they're even gonna pick up the phone in those other in those places if CUSA came calling. Yeah, because of where the black eye that's over uh, Conference USA right now. No one wants to be in this league, as as it was evident when there was the reshuffling earlier this year. I mean, I I don't know what lies uh, for the future of Conference USA, but I'll tell you this: the future of college football as itself is so murky that if you want to tell me that a certain team is going to be in a certain league for the foreseeable future, I I wouldn't bet on that. No way. All right, this tweet came in a moment ago. By the way, I's not sure what 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 uh, you know Caesar's got against you, but he just tweeted out that Adrian takes more vacation than any president of the US. Now I'm thinking about this, okay? <laughs> if you what was the last time you took a week off? Never. No. Not no. that you've been here. No. I now Caesar, I I get five weeks paid vacation. Five weeks. Well, that's what happens after twenty seven years at one place. You get the max vacation. I never take five weeks. If I'm lucky, if I'm lucky, I'll take three. Because once September starts rolling into December, it's hard to, it's hard to leave. Maybe some bowl times in December, but it's hard to get out of here. So, um, Adrian, 
How does how does Caesar believe that you take more vacation than the president? How did, how did that rumor start? I have no clue. Caesar, I don't know what kind of bone you have to pick against me. I thought we were cool. I thought we were friends. Uh, I'm shocked about hearing this from you. Uh, I'll tell you this, Caesar. Be prepared later this year. I will not be on this radio station. I'll be getting married instead. That's a good answer there. Uh, Caesar wants to know, would Adrian be on vacation one day as CUSA commissioner? Maybe with USC and USC and UCLA gone and Washington State and Oregon leaving, Arizona could finally make the Rose Bowl. That's, uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, Arizona's going to be in the Big 12 next year, right? Or the year after. That's that's the story. Yeah, that's the story right now. I don't know what I, I kind of like the idea about expanding a little bit more Southwest for the Big 12 right there, but uh yeah, I, I if I'm a, if I'm Conference USA commissioner, no, nah, no way. No not taking any kind of vacation there. 12 past the hour as we continue here on Sports Talk. Uh, that is good. Uh, 505-6009 our telephone number. That's 505-6009. Victor Neff and Neff Poppy. Adrian he tweets. With the Browns giving Baker Mayfield away to the Panthers, have you seen or screened draft day with Kevin Costner? I have. Uh, I liked it. And I have to say as well, I, I kind of feel like maybe John Dorsey, who picked Baker Mayfield back in 2018 with that number one overall pick, which was surprising at the time, maybe he had a lot going on in his personal life, just like Kevin Costner did in uh, draft day. I don't know. We liked that pick at the time. I mean, Baker Mayfield was hot. You know, he had a great college career. Everybody liked him. They talked about that being a, a safe pick. And I mean, I don't know. I mean, Baker, yeah, he's he's high maintenance, but ultimately... You know, I don't know what, what who's even going to be a quarterback this year for Cleveland. You, Deshaun Watson might not play a snap this season when everything is said and done with his legal situation. Yeah, maybe not this season. Maybe not even next season, d- depending on what kind of uh, different things they end up finding. It might be Jacoby Brissett that you roll out at quarterback for the Cleveland Browns, and you paid a lot to try to get uh, Deshaun Watson in on this kind of rental deal. I go back to that 2018 draft real quick, Steve. Uh, you look at Josh Allen. That's a, that's a huge name right there that a lot of teams whiffed on, and, and didn't really trust he goes seven to the bills and you know you see what he ends up doing in this league uh sam darnold goes three to the jets and he ends up in carolina baker at the time you're right i i guess you know as soon as that pick was made everybody was praising it that first year with baker under quarterback uh, in cleveland he was fantastic he was exciting for a lot of fans and then the State Farm commercials came out there, and no one ended up liking him after that. He, he did not find any success on the field. No, it's unfortunate, but you're right about Josh Allen. He's Look, we all thought Josh Allen was a project, and uh, that project has come around pretty well in Buffalo these last two years. It really has, and I, I feel like now with the Carolina Panthers, Steve, they continue to try to trade for these quarterbacks, and they have no success. Matt Rule oh. has has really not won anything in, in uh, Carolina, and Baker has to prove that he could be a starting quarterback in this league, and he's going to have to do it with a, a pretty you know subpar team in Carolina. First off, he's not going to have to work very hard to get the job away from Sam Darnold. Oh, yeah, he's got that locked in All he's right got to do is show up at uh, in the complex, and he's beat Sam Darnold. I mean, the Jets did well in that trade with Carolina. They really did. I mean, the fact they got any value for Sam Darnold, we've seen after one season really what uh, – it's sad because Sam Darnold's a bigger bust than Mark Sanchez, and it's not even close. Sanchez took the Jets to, to back-to-back championship games in the AFC. I know we look at him as the master of the butt fumble, but the truth is, hey – Back-to-back championship games in consecutive seasons is something to say. Uh, Sam Darnold never did anything in the NFL. 
I think we're going to remember Sam Darnold for two things, having mono in the middle of the season and missing a couple games and then seeing ghosts against the New England Patriots. That's about it right there. He's still seeing ghosts against the New England Patriots. All right. When we come back, uh, Jeff Erickson is going to be joining us on Sports Talk to give us uh, his fantasy take. I'm excited about that. But before we do that, I want to tell you about uh, Jose. Jose had an interesting situation. Jose had land in Clint that he had purchased as an investment, and he was ready to sell it and cash in. So that's when he teamed up with Brian Birds and his team, the Brian Birds home selling team powered by EXP Realty. And those aggressive marketing strategies got that offer locked down in just 10 days after listing. Jose got the best deal because he trusted the best team. Hey, that's what you got to do, folks. You just got to trust the best team. And I know some of you are worried about leaving money on the table if you sell your home. Well, don't worry with Brian. There's a lot of great advantages to Brian Birds. I'll tell you one thing. He can guarantee to sell your home for a price and deadline you both agreed to, or he'll buy it himself. And if he buys it himself, you then can make an offer on another home without fear of ending up with two mortgages because you know when and for how much your current home will sell. Now, Brian's team has an annual marketing budget 25 times higher than the average real estate agent's annual income. Hey, there's only one choice. The official real estate agent of UTEP, El Paso Locomotive FC, and the Rhinos. The only agent I would call if I needed to sell my home. Brian Birds, 751-1500. Or Google Brian, B-U-R-D-S, and start packing. Hey, El Paso, have you heard? To sell your home, get Call Brian Birds. Go to brianbirds.com. Integrity. Going to join us here in a little bit. But first, looking forward to getting out to the phones and welcoming our regular guest from rotowire.com, your one stop shop for fantasy sports. No problem. Looking forward to that. Um, we'll get Jeff Erickson on here in, in just a moment and uh, a lot to talk about. In fact, if you want to tweet the show, whether you've got fantasy baseball questions or fantasy football questions for Jeff, you can tweet them out, 600 ESPN El Paso. That is 600 ESPN El Paso for one uh, Jeff Erickson, who will join us uh, momentarily on the show. We've got games going on like crazy in baseball. In fact, uh, excited to get Jeff's take on a rookie who is making his uh, first ever uh, big league start today or to give up a run. In his uh, first inning of work, but still, you know, fun part about rookies, rookie pitchers especially, is wondering uh, what the experts think about them. So let's find out. Uh, Jeff Erickson joins us right now from rotowire.com. Welcome back, and uh, congratulations to Brian Bello. He's getting his first start today in the big leagues. He's a 23-year-old with the Red Sox. He's already given up a run in his first inning of work. What do you think about uh, Bello, who's become a pretty uh, popular name around fantasy targets right now? Yeah, he kind of was a pop-up prospect. I mean, he's always been a prospect, but he really took a big step forward this year. Um, I, I, th- I wouldn't be surprised if there's some initial struggles. You know, pitch the, the Red Sox have this big stretch against AL East uh, opponents here, so a lot of tough matchups. Uh, but I, I, I think the only pitching prospect that I'm more excited by right now uh, would be Max Meyer when he, when he makes his debut for the Marlins. But 
Bellows, Bellows a real deal. I'm looking forward to seeing a little bit more out of him. Yeah, I am too, um, because we've heard really good things. And you're right. There, It seems like most of the really good arms are up right now in baseball. There aren't uh, too many that are still in the minors waiting to come up. Grayson uh, would have been the one this year to keep an eye on out of Baltimore, but when he suffered that lad issue that probably shuts down his entire season, it kind of deflated uh, all the uh, fantasy owners because he was such a hotly, uh, you know, hotly thought of pitching prospect. Yeah, I, 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 in the same vein, I'd look for DL Hall eventually for Baltimore. Though uh, he could be uh, pretty, uh, pretty productive, and we, we've we've started to see that Camden Yards is now a pitcher's ballpark because of the park modifications. Uh, we'll see how that how well that lasts all summer during the heat of the summer, but. Yep. Uh, and whether these, these Orioles pitchers don't start to wilt. We saw Dean Kramer really struggle earlier this week, so there could be some backsliding. But, you know, nonetheless, uh, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see. But, yeah, uh, not too many huge pitching prospects remaining still to get the call this year. No, I'd agree with that. And the problem is there are teams that have some really good pitching prospects that are doing very well in AAA, but – when the big league clubs are so solid in their staffs, I'm talking about uh, a situation in Houston right now where uh, they have one of the better uh, arms in AAA ball. But unfortunately, um, you know, Hunter Brown's not going to get his chance unless a couple of guys get hurt because the Astros are so deep in their rotation right now. Yeah, to that point, the Astros are using a six-man rotation with Jake Odorizzi coming back this week. And they still might get Lance McCullers at some point. So, yeah, the odds are against him. Go look no further also than the Yankees with J.P. Sears, who's made two really nice spot starts uh, where he hasn't allowed a run. And the, the thanks he's gotten for his efforts is an immediate demotion back to AAA. Doesn't even get to hang around for 15 days to get, you know, big league salary for a while. Uh, you know, that, that's how tough it is to get into the Yankees right now. Yeah, and they've got a couple of other young arms at AAA that are also pretty hotly uh, regarded prospects. So the Yankees are another team yeah. that's got good arms, and yet uh, we're not going to get a chance to probably see them unless they get traded uh, to deadline. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, injuries do happen, though. I mean, you look at what happened with the Mets. You look what happened with the Dodgers now losing Walker Buehler. You know, there, there's some push. You know, the thing is, you know, uh, you know, it's not like the Yankees are likely to trade with the Dodgers. That's the problem. You know, we yep. the Dodgers are looking for the Royals for help. You know, uh, and the Royals have a hard enough time developing starting pitching as it stands. You know, it's funny. Ryan Pepio pitched for the Dodgers yesterday. Pitched really well. Then got sent right back down to AAA. I saw him last week against the Chihuahuas. He was pitching. He hit three guys in one game. He had no control. And it was beating yep. guys with like 95-mile-an-hour fastballs. And it looked it looked painful. I mean, you're right there. You see a guy just get drilled in the back by a Pepio fastball. And yet, yesterday, he, was, he threw really well for the Dodgers. And he's been up and down all year. Yeah, and you know, he made his debut earlier this year against the Pirates, and you know, that, that was my first impression is the command is all over the place. Uh, you know, both in and out of the strike zone, you know, he couldn't really put it where he wanted. He's got some movement on his pitches. He's got some life, but, uh, you know, part of pitching is knowing where it's going, too, and he doesn't quite have that yet. The Rockies on the road, though, that, that's, that's a good spot for him, you know, pitching in Dodger Stadium against the Rockies. That's that, That'll cure some of the control issues. But, yeah, he, he still needs some more development time, in my opinion. Is there anybody uh, having a hotter uh, week last week than Isaac Paredes of uh, Tampa Bay, 
who uh, was acquired uh, in a trade with Detroit, part of the Austin Meadows trade. And, man, has he been tearing it up uh, this season. Isak Paredes is just a fun player to watch. Uh, he was originally in the Cubs system, came over to the Tigers in the uh, trade, then him Justin Wilson uh, and others. It was, you know, I, I had him in our staff keeper league, which is an 18-team league with, you know, 10-man minor league roster. So you basically go about 200 prospects deep, maybe a little bit more. You factor in guys that graduate and, you know, aren't, aren't, aren't really rookies anymore. But we go pretty deep. And so I've had, I had him for a while, but I couldn't be patient enough for him. Finally developed him. Of course, with the Rays, they find a way to unlock his power. The Rays are the kind of team, I saw this earlier, that if somebody is asking for a pros, if the Rays are asking for you uh, for a prospect, you almost say no, and then you want to lock that prospect up to a long-term contract. It seems like Tampa always finds those uh, diamonds in the rough in the minors, and then they come up to the big leagues and uh, and develop in the stars. Yeah, or even guys that have flopped in the majors a little bit. They just uh, acquired Yu Chang from the Guardians, and that's a guy who. You look at his stat cast numbers, they're all like in the 80th percentile, like hard hit rate, exit velocity, things like that. Something to watch for to see, see how he does in a new system. I mean, they did the same thing with Andy Diaz. And, you know, again, granted, Andy Diaz doesn't make all-star teams or anything, but he's a useful player. Joey Wendell, you know, grabbed him from the eighth. He's a useful player until they turned around and traded him this offseason. But the point is that they find these little diamonds, and they especially do it on the pitching side. So it's fun to see what they can do you know, I think some of that is, not, is seeing the potential. The other thing is, like, having a, a staff that develops players. Yep. And, you know, it's one thing to see it. It's another thing to teach it and have them do it and be able to get it to stick. Uh, and some organizations are just way better than others, and our, others are just way worse. Uh, you know, you look at the A's all these years. Their, their development of hitters has been, you know, traditionally pretty poor. They've, they've been able to mint some pitchers pretty well, but – you know, it, it's interesting to see how some teams are strong there. The Guardians are great at developing pitching, uh, and it's one of the things that keeps them competitive year after year, this week notwithstanding. Good point. Uh, by the way, Harold uh, Ramirez is another example of a uh, cast-off that joins the Rays and suddenly is having a terrific season. Yep. Yeah, he's a good platoon guy, good lefty killer. Uh, and, you know, they, they find ways like, they, they, they're, they're good at finding, okay, what can go right with this guy? You know, how can we, how can we deploy him in a way that maximizes his potential? Yep. Uh, and not every team does the, as good a job, as thorough of a job at that. And, you know, hey, when you're, when you're a small budget team, I don't want to call them small markets. I don't think, that, I think that's a misnomer, but a small budget team, you, got, you have to be good at that. And they're, they're, they're one of the best. You're right. You're right. And by the way, uh, you mentioned Oakland a while ago. You know, as much credit as as um, Billy Bean received from Moneyball and that story, doesn't it all, always seem sometimes, like you said, that um, I don't want to say that Bean is not you know is not a good general manager, but you talked about the lack of development at certain at certain positions versus other clubs. So, do you sometimes live off the reputation of uh, of a book that came out twenty years ago? Yeah, and keep in mind they've had a big brain drain there. A lot of a lot of front office guys have gone elsewhere. Uh, you know, and some of the guys that maybe uh, being trusted uh, are no longer there. You look at the like, for instance, uh, the Giants uh, general manager uh, was one of Bean's right hand man guys. 
also, like, the stuff that was undervalued when Moneyball came out is not, you know, is, is more common now. Yep. Like, it was revolutionary to, to value on base percentage higher. Now, that's just, like, common. It's obvious. So you have to find new edges. And, you know, it's, it's always a challenge. And then you add in the fact that you've got an ownership group that's just awful. Just awful there. No doubt about it. More with Jeff as we continue. Again, if you've got a question, send it to us on Twitter at 600 ESPN El Paso. I'll send it back to Adrian and get one last Sports Center update. Now with uh, Jeff Erickson from Rotowire. Hey, some good returnees, some stars return this week. Max Scherzer had a terrific 11 strikeout game. A couple of hits today for Eloy Jimenez. Good to see them back in their respective uh, fantasy lineups. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just too bad, Max. Well, not too bad because I'm a Reds fan, but uh, Max Scherzer didn't get any run support at all. Uh, Nick Lodolo also returned in that game and really looked fabulous. Uh, but then Eloy today hitting the homer, that was that was fun. White Sox uh, salvaged one win uh, out of a series that could have been otherwise disastrous against the Twins. Uh, they had to battle back like four different times and then finally got the win in the bottom of the ninth. But Eloy played a big part, had the two-run homer, and later had an RBI single. They, they need that bat in the lineup badly. They sure do. Uh, Jake DeGrom is back making rehab trips. Uh, that's big for the Mets. They just got back Scherzer, as we talked about. When they get back DeGrom... Uh, that is a huge boost uh, to that lineup. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I look for him to come back like right after the All-Star break. I know we saw like the five strikeouts his last time out in, uh, in one and two-thirds. So need to get him stretched out. But, yeah, nice to see that he had you know crazy good stuff, at least in his first time out. We'll see as he climbs the ladder, faces major league hitters, uh, whether it still plays like it does if he's still the same DeGrom. But, you know, this is a team that they're missing, you know, multiple arms. So this is this is big timing, good timing to try to get him back. And they've held on. The Braves have narrowed that gap, but they've still managed to hold on to first place despite losing 60% of their starting rotation. Not to mention Kenley Jansen, who's out with an irregular heartbeat and expected back in about a week or so. So, you know, he's a key cog to that bullpen. He's been, he's been very good for the Braves this year. Yeah, he has. Uh, a couple blown saves, but... You know, the thing that's improved with Jansen this year is his walk rate. Walk rate is way down. It, it spiked a little bit last year, leading some to worry uh, about whether he'd, uh, you know, whether whether he was losing it, including the Dodgers. But the Dodgers kind of bummed out about that flip flop right now. I, I, would you rather have Kenley or Craig Kimball right now? Uh, let alone having to trade for AJ, to trade away AJ Pollock to make it all fit. Yep. Um, I think that they've got some regret with that as how that transpired, I imagine. I would agree with that, uh, no doubt about it. We're talking with Jeff Erickson uh, from rotowire.com as we continue here on Sports Talk. Um, any other names you want to you wanna kind of highlight this week uh, in terms of fantasy baseball guys that are either on fire? You mentioned Lodolo coming back and pitching really well, and uh, you know maybe some, uh, some more rookies to keep an eye on. Well, it's time to start looking at uh, the trade market. Uh, and we just saw two pitchers go on the I.L. that might have been traded. Tyler Molly for the Reds just went on with some shoulder tightness. They're saying only two starts, but I'll believe that when I see it. Same thing with Frankie Montas on the A's. It's already a pretty tight trade market. Um, I, I, there's not going to be too many big names on the amongst, among starting pitchers that are going to be available. I think the Reds might be able to strike while the iron's hot with Luis Castillo. Jeff, he's still there. I think we might have lost him. Um, talking about Luis Castillo. So 
And then I feel like we just we just lost him at that point. See so if we can get Jeff back, and we'll we'll wrap things up. Luis Castillo, by the way, one of the best uh, arms, uh, you know, consistently one of the top uh, twenty arms in fantasy baseball. And I could see the Reds being sellers. I, uh, you know, they're not going anywhere this year, and uh, Castillo's been healthy, so I could totally see that being the case uh, before the end of their, uh, you know, before the 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 end of the deadline. Let's just put it that way. So uh, again, uh, Jeff Erickson, uh, RotoWire.com, talk about the trade deadline and and ultimately. Uh, you know, players that that might get more looks than others, which will be kind of interesting. Um, yeah, uh, so we'll see if we can get him back before we wrap things up here uh, on the segment. All right, uh, Jeff, uh, I know we, we lost you for a second. We got you back. You were talking about uh, Luis Castillo, among others. Yeah, Luis Castillo, you know, began the year on the uh, IL with the, some uh, shoulder fatigue, but he's looked really good as of late, and Frankly, there's not too many good starting pitchers out there. Uh, so I think the Reds have themselves an opportunity here uh, to do a real trade. Uh, and I, I, you know, I know they trade away Sonny Gray, they trade away Jesse Winker. Uh, you know, they, they they've already started the teardown process, and frankly, he's Castillo's not going to be around for their next good team. So if they get the right offer, I think they should they should do the deal here. Uh, because let's face it, this Reds team isn't going to be contending anytime soon. Let's profile what you've got on the website right now. You've got the uh, Major League and Minor League Baseball barometers, risers and uh, fallers, the uh, injury report, some waiver pickups, rankings, a lot of stuff uh, for baseball. And uh, it's not just about baseball. you got everything going on at, at Rotowire, including the NFL. Fantasy football drafts are right around the corner. So already right now, you're, uh, you've got reports coming up, whether it's winning strategies, what that's all about, injury analysis, and uh, also nice little feature on polarizing players up on the website. Yep. Yeah, everything there. And I'm doing a – every week I'm doing a new top 150 PPR rankings for football. Uh, I started doing that a couple of weeks ago, just filed this week, so it should go up on the site tomorrow. That's I'll tweet it out. It's free to everybody, but – once you're there, we invite you to check out all of our football content for a free trial. No credit cards required. Just go to rotowire.com slash free. How do you change it every week if ultimately we don't have practice yet? How are you, uh, how are you going back and switching up the top 150 every week? Well, it's pretty easy right now. I mean, Baker Mayfield just got traded Carolina. That helps D.J. Moore. Yep. Uh, it cements that we're going to be looking at Jacoby Brissett for a while, most likely, because all the news on Deshaun Watson has been pretty negative. I mean, it, you just and you know I, I've been doing drafts, and I'll tell you the best thing, the best way to test your rankings, put them like, put them in hot fire there, see what happens when you got Michael Thomas sitting atop your queue and you don't want to draft him. Yes, that means I got to move him down to my ranking. It's so, good point. It's, you know, you battle test your rankings. It's, it's and I highly recommend everybody do. You know, you should have like a cursory set of your own rankings. You don't have to do projections. In fact, I don't recommend you do projections unless you have to. I mean, I really don't recommend it. It's not that much fun. And especially in football, it's not that probative. But do rankings and then test them. See if you like them. See if, like, when you get, when you do a draft, you see, okay, do I like these results? Do I like that this guy is my top remaining running back here? Do I need to move somebody up or down accordingly? Um, I, I think it's really valuable, these early drafts. That's why you especially. Uh, let me tell you something. That's why you're the best in the business. I love the rationale on that. And you're right. Trade today. Uh, that changes everything as far as Carolina and uh, and Cleveland. So good job with that. Appreciate the time. And we'll look forward to having you back on the show next Wednesday, Jeff. See you, 
Super. Thanks, Steve. You got it. Jeff Erickson, folks, from Rotowire as we continue. 19 in front of six here on Sports Talk. Hags is next from the ballpark. We'll get you ready for Chihuahuas baseball 20 minutes from now on 600 ESPN El Paso.